Everybody in the e-commerce world is talking about supply chain, and there's a lot of focus on Mexico. But a lot of people don't understand what they're dealing with, how to do it right, or maybe when to stay out completely. Today's guest is an expert in sourcing from Mexico. That is literally his life's passion right now is helping entrepreneurs and small businesses, specifically e-commerce businesses, figure out how to do it right. It's going to be a great episode. Listen to the end, and here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the AMPM podcast. I'm your host, Tim Jordan, and today we are talking about sourcing. Now, this is one of the most, I don't know, challenging but also relevant topics in the whole e commerce game because we can come up with great ideas, we can figure out how to sell it, but if we can't get the products, the whole business goes kaput, as they say. When I started sourcing early on in my private label game, I was sourcing mostly in China, and I think that's kind of the origin story of most people. But I always had an interest in Latin America. Many of you know that I had a company even based in Guatemala and Central America, and we tried to do the sourcing thing. It wasn't a raging success. We had some successes, but there were a lot of hard lessons we had to learn. There were a lot of differences in culture that we didn't understand going into it. And it was tough. It was tough to scale up. Years later, this crazy thing called the Trump tariffs happened. And items that were being exported from China into the U.S., some of them became a lot more expensive and people started thinking, hey, we need to find alternative sourcing locations. Then when COVID happened, especially, and all the supply chain slowdowns and price increases, especially from China, started happening, everybody started thinking, hey, we need to source elsewhere. So I did an episode specifically about sourcing from Mexico maybe a year ago, a little more than a year ago. A lot of things have changed since then, so I thought it'd be great to talk about it again because now all eyes are focused on Mexico. Now, what I was saying earlier that I already had an interest there is true. This isn't a brand new thing. This isn't something that based on COVID or based on the tariffs is is relevant now. No, it was always an interest. It was always something we needed to learn about. It's just been amplified now. But I don't know a whole lot about it. So in this episode, I've brought in a buddy who literally does this for a living and not just sourcing, not just finding products, but He specifically works with e-commerce sellers and small businesses, so his content and his insights should be extremely relevant to us. So welcome to the podcast, Omer Dar. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm good. So, Omer, you have a company that's called Wittrek, and you were actually introduced to me by a very good friend of our community and said, hey, you need to talk to Omer. And right now, you're currently looking at potentially doing a project for me personally, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully, you'll be very happy with what we offer. (laughs) I hope so, too. Cheap. Make it real cheap. No, I'm kidding. But you were suggested to me by somebody I trust, which means a lot, because there are a lot of people that claim to know how to source or claim to know how to find products. But it's actually rare that someone really does. So I wanted to have you on to educate me as well as our audience about what's going on in Mexico. I know that there are some best practices, some things to avoid. Not every product is good for Mexico. And also, just in the past year, the entire landscape of sourcing there has massively changed. So I'd kind of like to uh, to get like the most recent update from last year. But first off, tell us how you got into this position. Give us the intro to kind of what you're doing now and 
kind of give us the the credibility speech why why your content is so good and why you know what you're talking about absolutely first of all thank you for having me on uh, on the show um so my story begins in uh, Israel. I'm an Israeli, uh, originally born and raised. And as you might know, most Israelis are entrepreneurs. And this was uh, my career path for the past 20, uh, 20 or so years. Uh, I had multiple businesses. I know the pain of uh, being an entrepreneur and the journey and how tough it is. So I think that uh, many of uh, your uh, listeners are, are actually going through some of the issues that I went through. Uh, and sourcing is definitely one of the hardest things to do uh, in order to get your product to the market. Uh, I have lived uh, on four continents, uh, worked on four, uh, in four or five countries, uh, and had businesses uh, worldwide. Um, I lived in the U.S. for 11 years uh, in total uh, and had a, a business there. Um, it was experiential marketing. And I think I know pretty much uh, the, the, the hurdles of uh, working in the U.S. and the, the, the issues that uh, an entrepreneur has there. Uh, three and a half years ago, uh, I, I had opportunity to open uh, a business in uh, Mexico. Uh, and... Uh, my idea was to serve the American uh, market. Um, through, throughout my 11 years living in the U.S., of course, I had a very big network of uh, entrepreneurs. I was actually giving some lectures to young entrepreneurs. Uh, and one of the things that always came up uh, were a few issues. The first one is building a team, which is very expensive in the U.S. The second one was sourcing. And when you're sourcing, how do you trust uh, and how do you know that you, 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 if when you pay the money, you actually get what you, you ask for? And I think these were the, the pain points that we were focused on uh, solving. And uh, what I'm doing right now is actually solving those issues that I just uh, discussed in order to give a much smoother uh, journey for uh, uh, entrepreneurs, small, medium companies that are looking uh, outside of the U.S. or looking to move from uh, China because of all the geopolitical uh, changes that we are seeing in the past few years. Um, you mentioned uh, last year and the changes in the Trump administration. I think that the trend has changed in the last more 10 years. I, I, I think Trump is only uh, a change that was very visible and very apparent, but uh, we started seeing changes uh, uh, years before. Um, I think that when you look at China as a country, China is moving now from a manufacturing country to a, a leader in, in technology. And uh, the period of China as a, as a, as a manufacturer, I, I don't say it's going to be end anytime soon, but it's definitely changing. The, there is a big change in the goals that the Chinese have uh, where, where they want to see themselves in 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and uh, if you realize that the, the, this long-term change that we are seeing right now, you understand that that it's not going back. It, it's not uh, one administration yeah. or the other that uh, policy that uh, changed what we are seeing. We just saw uh, a catalyzator uh, when when it, when Trump came, when Trump came into power and when the Corona happened, and now with the war in uh, Ukraine that we are seeing that influenced the logistic uh, cost and etc. Uh, etc. Et so I think that uh, focusing on, on Mexico and other manufacturing country and finding more options uh, worldwide is, is a very important uh, 
step for entrepreneurs and for small medium companies the the big one already are doing those moves years ago so Mexico is not new as you you said is not new for manufacturing uh, the biggest uh, automotive aerospace companies already moved here 10 15 years yep. ago uh, and now only now the the small medium companies realize that uh, this is the time to make some changes so there's a couple things there I want to address the first is you gave a sales pitch for uh, diversifying, right? Like there's a lot of reasons why China has become less of the go-to. It's still the go-to, but it, it's dwindling in desire, so to speak, to source from. So I understand that. And I think we all agree that like, that's exciting to understand, but we do need to, and I'm going to ask you this in a minute, like specifically talk about the differences between China and Mexico, because it's not all good and it's not all favorable. Uh, I think that we would be mistaken to assume that Mexico is going to be the new China. And I think it would be unfair to tell people that like we can completely outsource there. But the other thing you mentioned that I love is the specific implications for small and medium sized businesses. Because when we say, hey, global sourcing or sourcing practices or manufacturing capabilities, it, the things that apply to large businesses like the automotive manufacturers don't apply to us. It's very different. So sure. I think it's a really smart idea to be very specific, very specific in size, very specific in scope, and very specific in the type of sellers that, well, I say sellers, buyers, product buyers that are then going to sell, so brand owners, um, and how they interact with manufacturers in a different place. Because the parity, the matching up of the small businesses with maybe the small to medium-sized manufacturers is very, very important, and nobody's really talking about that. So first off, let's talk specifically about kind of the the differences between China and Mexico. Can sure. Mexico directly compete with and replace China? Does everything work for Mexico? Um, is Mexico the future China? Uh, I think not. I think uh, to, to expect that there is a new China coming up is not realistic. Uh, China, I mean, their policy were very different than other countries in the world. They subsidized and supported their uh, manufacturers. I don't think any for decades like that's been going on for 50 years. Correct. So I don't think we are seeing a new China, but I don't think that uh, one country will replace China. But I think as uh, when we look when we look globally on the manufacturing countries that are uh, uh, growing up, uh, whether it's Romania in Europe, whether it's uh, Vietnam in the Far East, Mexico, others, Latin uh, countries, there will be a replacement when you look at the global arena, but nobody, no, not no single country will replace uh, China. Uh, when we talk about Mexico versus China, I think that uh, it's very important to understand that there are major uh, uh, differences. I'll start with uh, what people are used to uh, to do so far. So, up until now, you go to Alibaba in China if you're a small. Uh, uh, entrepreneurs, you just want to try the first uh, batch. You go on Alibaba, you order it, you get it. It's come out of uh, this million uh, catalog of I don't know hundreds, thousands of uh, items that you can choose from. Uh, you can do very little uh, customization, customization, maybe just uh, labeling it or something like that. This is not the situation in uh, Mexico. Mexico, you don't have this kind of, uh, in, in majority of the industries, you don't have this kind of catalog. I mean, you cannot find all these uh, small uh, flashlights or things like that uh, sold very cheaply. 
that if this is what you're looking, Mexico is not the place for you. Uh, however, Mexico, when it comes to customized items, so if you have in mind a, a product that you want to do product development or you already did the product development and you have like the prototype and you want to take it into manufacturing, this is where uh, Mexico fits in. The quality is there. The, the speed to market is there. Prices are pretty competitive. Again, it's not China, but you need to understand the difference in pricing even between China and Mexico. When the Chinese do a T-shirt, they do 2 million T-shirts out of it. So obviously, economy of scales play a great role here. When you go to Mexico and you want to create your new uh, parallel line, you bring it to the manufacturing. He wouldn't create a million out of it. He will create 300 units out of it. So obviously, comparing this to China is comparing apples to, uh, to oranges. It's two different things that you are looking, uh, you are looking to compare. So I think that the understanding, first of all, that the market, that if you go to, to Mexico, you need to look for different items than what you are used to look uh, in China. That's the first thing that you need to take into consideration. Now, of course, there are industries that are, they have this catalog, let's say the glass industry. So if you, if you want to order uh, different uh, wine cups or anything like that, so of course, drinkware. Yeah. Mexico can produce it. Uh, but again, this is very specific industries. You won't have in electronics the same uh, possibilities as you have in China. Now, if we, if we want to talk about the advantages and disadvantages between China and Mexico, I think that the biggest advantage is the pro proximity to the U.S. It's a nearshore uh, uh, sourcing, which means, A, you have the control, so you're able to fly two hours, three hours from uh, your, your city to all the main cities in Mexico and visit the manufacturer. You can uh, check the quality while you are there. Communication, it's much, much easier. Obviously, uh, the cultures are much similar compared to, to the Chinese culture. The time zone is the same time zone, so you don't have to wait in the middle of the night for an email. And if, if you need something really quick being done, it's a huge advantage. Logistics-wise, obviously, much cheaper, much faster. No, you mentioned the, the U.S. MCA, the, the agreement between uh, Mexico and the U.S. and the tariffs that are not existent in, on most products. So no duties there. Uh, all of that come to a lot of uh, money being saved. So when you take all these uh, uh, factors uh, into consideration, you save them. Manufacturing-wise, specifically, it really depends on the product. So there are products that I can certainly say that are as, as cheap to produce as in China. But again, if you're looking for something that is off the shelf, most probably you wouldn't find it in, uh, in a good price in Mexico. But if you're looking to produce something of your own, we can, Mexico can compete with, uh, with China. Yeah, let me let me pause you in here and ask a question. You're talking about specific categories, right? There are things that can be found in Mexico, and if you yeah. can find them, you're saying there are huge advantages, right? The proximity, uh, the ability to build a relationship, the logistical cost, the the speed, all that stuff. I understand that. So big advantages, um, smaller category list. How do you go about finding that category list? Like if people are listening right now thinking, hey, I wonder if my product, my product idea can be produced there. How do you figure out what can be produced there? Sure. So I, I can give you the, the main categories that are uh, worth looking into. So apparel, this is big and huge in Mexico. And I mean, probably any material, whether it's spandex or cotton or whatever. 
95%. You know, fabrics is, 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 uh, is really depend on the country. So let's say silk, less, uh, less uh, available in, uh, in uh, Mexico. There is no Mexican production of it. But apart from that, the rest of them exist. So we are doing lines of uh, uh, swimwear, sportswear, uh, leather uh, uh, material. Almost everything exists in uh, LATAM. So we, we not necessarily bring source everything from Mexico. The fabrics we can bring from over uh, LATAM and it's very quick to, to reach our manufacturers. Of course, if it's a specific uh, uh, item uh, or specific fabric, we can bring it from uh, the Far East. Uh, but again, it, it all depends on, uh, on uh, the, the process that we are building and we, we can source almost everything. Uh, other uh, industries, uh, merch industry. So, you know, I, I have big clients that are uh, doing merch, whether it's T-shirt, printed T-shirts, or glasses with prints on them. Uh, all of that exists in Mexico, big time. Glass and wood, Anything that you need exists here. With wood, I would say that uh, like any other countries, you know, uh, importing wood or wood products uh, requires a bit more uh, work when it crosses the border. But again, we... Yeah. You still have to have the fumigation and the Lacey Act documents and all that stuff, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, steel industry, very, very strong. So from uh, EMT pipes for the electrician out, uh, from you, anything to do with steel. Kitchens. Now, when you say steel... Yeah. I know that this breaks into a lot of different categories. If you're looking at yeah. metal products, are we looking at more industrial stuff or can you get like home decor? Can you get like heavily machined um, precision parts or is it more lawn and garden items? Like kind so of break down steel, the, the metals and steel products a little bit. Yeah. So steel is actually being manufactured in Mexico. So we have plenty of uh, connection in that industry. We can... Uh, create almost anything that the manufacturer in Mexico can. So we, there is variety of products that we can bring. Specifically, I have projects on uh, pipes and things like that. But since this is being locally mined, we can uh, get any product from steel. Um, a, a big advantage is uh, anything to do with the uh, construction. So we have projects for kitchens, uh, for tiles, for uh, a, a granite, a, a flooring, a wood floor. A, so all of that can be sourced from Mexico. Up until now, it was coming from China. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, especially, I'm not talking about one kitchen. Nobody buys one kitchen directly from the manufacturer. But uh, if, if it's a developer that wants to, to bring 40, 50 kitchens, it makes sense to bring it from here rather than China. From time point of view, from quality point of view, which is much better than China, and from uh, 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 pricing right now with all the tariffs and everything, it's very competitive compared to China. Well, let's talk about let's talk about quality and let's talk about pricing for a second, because of course price matters. Now, you just made the statement that the quality in Mexico can be much better than China. Sure. Can you delve into that just a little bit more? Sure. I think that uh, again, it's all a question of control. I think that uh, when you buy from China, it's very, very, unless you're physically there, it's very hard to control it. The same thing is true to any country. The difference is that with Mexico, you have much more, the ability of much more controlling it. It's the language, it's the ability yeah. to come to Mexico and, and to see the production while it happens. And of course, to find the right partners like us that is actually sitting with, 
in the facility when production is happening and do the quality control. And the communication is easier. You know, when uh, I'm sure that you had experience working with the Chinese uh, middlemen uh, or it, it's never easy. It's never easy. The communication, the time, uh, the time zone that you need to communicate in, it's, it's always very, very hard. And I think this is an experience that many of your listeners are sharing. This doesn't happen in uh, Mexico. Mexico, in that sense, it's much easier. And uh, not just through me, but I, I think that once people will start uh, understanding uh, that culture is very important when you go to uh, do business and the ability to communicate in similar cultures, they will find it much easier to do it uh, in Mexico rather than China. Now, you made a statement that pricing between Mexico and China for the products you can source in Mexico is very competitive. Sure. Now, when I think in my mind back to like everything we've talked about, you talk about how logistics is cheaper, import duties is cheaper, uh, shipping's cheaper, all of those things. So if you're saying that the overall price is competitive, but some aspects are less expensive, does it mean that typically the product sourced itself in Mexico, apples to apples comparison, is going to be more expensive than China, but because be the exactly. other costs are reduced, it breaks even? Yeah, I think that uh, in some cases, uh, you can see that the actual uh, manufacturing, the X-Works uh, price could be a bit higher than uh, China. Why? Because the Chinese subsidize it in many cases. And, and that's the, the honest truth. Not because their, their uh, workforce is cheaper, it's actually more expensive, but they actually subsidize it. But the government subsidizes it. But when we look at the DDT cost, I mean, the, the, the actual, when, when you send it to the client. The, the overall landed cost into the U.S. Yeah. Then you can see that it's either matching cheaper or a bit higher. But but when you compare all the factors, makes more sense to, to do it there if you can, if the product exists, of course. Yeah, if you can. And we need to keep specifying that. We're talking, you know, these great things about Mexico, but there's a lot of things that you just cannot source there. So let's talk about investment because in addition to subsidies in China, another reason that China has been very competitive is just the amount that's been invested there and the length of time they've been manufacturing, right? So sure. there are a lot of companies in China that do injection mold plastics. There's not that many in Mexico and maybe they're newer and maybe they have newer machines and they're still getting ramped up to scale. Do you think that over the past year or two or three years, that these smaller manufacturers we're talking specifically about have started receiving large investments or really investing in their capabilities when it comes to technology? Because I know in a lot of like Latin America, a lot of stuff was handmade or a lot of things were more manually created. But do you see them modernizing and mechanizing to increase capabilities and reduce costs? With, with no doubt. So the industry here saw, saw a, a huge growth in the, the past uh, almost two years. I mean, it's, it's, I'm visiting factories that a year and a half ago we did our first project and now they have new machinery. I'm, I'm, uh, when you, you spoke about uh, plastic injection, when I started two years ago with my first uh, project with one of the companies, they only had one option for me. We did uh, an electronic device. We needed uh, to source the, to find a, a partner that will do the uh, plastic injection. Now they, they have five or six only in Guadalajara, for example. So we definitely see a lot of money coming in. I don't know if it's just from investment. It's, I know it's that there is a lot of money coming in for production and a lot of them are reinvesting the money in order to, uh, to 
increase capacity, improve on technology so they can supply uh, more to, uh, to the end user, to the end client. Everybody understand here uh, that uh, the market is changing. Everybody. Everybody is getting ready for this change. And I think whoever gets as a client right now will see even in a year, two years, five years, you will see an improvement, reduction in prices. Uh, this is this is what's happening right now. Mexico is becoming a central point where people are coming uh, to manufacture and the market reacts accordingly. Now, the Chinese government has always been very pro-manufacturing, right? From um, simple export laws to, you know, subsidizing that manufacturing to even giving loans for manufacturers. Do you see the Mexican government becoming more pro-manufacturing or pro-entrepreneurial in the last few years to help support these small businesses growing up? Or is it more of a grassroots, everybody's kind of figuring it out on their own? No, no. I, I think that there is a support from the government. They also see the benefits of bringing uh, more money in, more taxes to them. There is definitely a government uh, involvement. It's not on the levels uh, of China. I think that uh, the Chinese, especially the the, the their government is more uh, centralized. Decisions are made much faster, much stronger. Uh, Mexico is more uh, fragmented, I would say, in the decision-making. That said, there are uh, incentives uh, to, to go into manufacturing. There is uh, uh, definitely the, the, the trade agreements with the U.S. Uh, is pushing uh, uh, the, the, local, the local states in Mexico to allow more uh, options. I'll just give you an example. Uh, Mexico is a big exporter of uh, avocado to, to the U.S., avocado. Uh, Jalisco uh, state, up until a few months ago, was not allowed to export uh, to the U.S. There was a big lobby in order to do that, and they recently pushed for it because they knew that uh, the industry will, uh, will win will gain a lot and they just approve it. And now this export obstacle was, was uh, lifted and uh, we, we see it all across the industries that uh, whatever obstacles there are, they're trying to lift it in the pace of Mexico. You know, it's not, Ch again, it's not China. And, uh, but, but definitely there is a positive uh, change, uh, not just uh, from uh, the, the bottom up, but also from the top down. What's one of the biggest mistakes that you see small business owners like myself making when they first try to start sourcing in Mexico? First of all, going by themselves. I think it's a waste of money. Uh, it's tough, first of all. It's tough to find it. You need really to be an expert uh, locally in order to, uh, to bring the right uh, manufacturer to the table. Uh, so I would always advise... To do it uh, with an expert, uh, with somebody that understands the language, the culture, that, that is the foot on the ground, uh, that's number one. The second thing is quality. Uh, there needs to be a quality control uh, over uh, manufacturers, especially the small ones. Uh, they need more attention. Uh, and the third one is not understanding uh, exports uh, from Mexico uh, to the U.S., uh, it's not not every company, not every small mom and pop shop can do exports. There are ways on how to do it right, and uh, in order not to incur um, cost when you import uh, that that you didn't anticipate, it's wise to do it with uh, professionals that know how to do the the import uh, process. 
Yeah, my experience has been a lot of times these smaller manufacturers, the mom and pop shops are the ones I want to work with, right? Like I have a better relationship with them. There's more rapport, quality can be higher. But yeah, we forget that it's not just about buying the products. Now we have to ship it. And this especially happened in China. Everybody just assumed five or six years ago that every manufacturer knew how to export. Well, a manufacturer of a product in China may be exporting to 20 different countries and everyone has different rules and laws. So that's when people realized, hey, you need to have independent freight forwarders and logistics providers. So yeah, I can understand completely how that would be the same thing in Mexico. And in addition to logistics, there are some very specific things that manufacturers need to know about e-commerce sellers, right? Um, if we look at what happened over the past six, seven years in China, like now everybody knows what an FN SKU sticker is for Amazon, or everybody knows about the right labeling for cartons, or everybody knows about drop tests, right? Do you think that in addition to the logistics education need to be caught up, that manufacturers are interested to hear specifically about different types of sellers, whether it's online or whether it's retail, are they getting educated? I mean, I think that some of them do, some of them don't and give it to the to companies like us to deal with it. Uh, I think it's not, uh, there, there, is, there, there is still a road to go with a small uh, manufacturer here. So they are used to work in a certain way. Uh, and many times it's, it's more uh, the fear of trying something new for them. Uh, and you need to walk hand and hand in hand in order for them to actually bring the benefits to a, a foreign company. So we, we have this kind of companies that, you know, we, we basically help them understand that their advantage will be even bigger if they will start exporting. Uh, and it's, it's never been that easy. It's a, it's a process. It's building the trust, making sure they understand that nobody's trying to uh, to uh, throw them into the deep water without uh, helping them how to swim. So it, it's a process. It's it's and and this is something that uh, it will take, especially with the small uh, manufacturer. It will take years to to uh, to bring the the good ones out of them to the point where they can uh, uh, export uh, by themselves. So how do people find manufacturers? You said, hey, you can't just land and start you know, trying to meet people and shaking hands. How do people get connected successfully with manufacturers? Mexico is a very uh, close community. I mean, they, they are like, uh, you know, if you know in the village somebody, then you'll find who is doing what. There are areas of, uh, of uh, uh, different uh, trades. So you really need to have a deep understanding of the market. And it's a lot of market research. It's actually going there. And, and going to one factory and try to get through those people, other factories. It's a very specific world and it's a very specific uh, uh, process. So uh, th- there is no easy answer. The majority of mom and pop shop are, don't have a website. You cannot just go online, find those uh, places that uh, have the advantage that you're looking for uh, online. They, many of them, when we met, when we met, we, we met them, we, we meet them, they don't even. Uh, they cannot even provide an invoice. Imagine that. And obviously, I we cannot work without uh, invoice. So we bring into the mix our accountant to help them uh, do all the process from from zero. So the 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 short answer is that you need people that understand the market. There is no shortcut to that. There is no uh, Alibaba. Uh, to tell you that an American uh, e-commerce uh, guy will start uh, do a market research and will find something, 
I'm not sure it's the right way. Again, not because I'm uh, owning the company that I own. I think that the reason why my company is viable and, and is is working is because there is this uh, huge need in the market and there is no uh, easy solution at this point. So what about future manufacturing product categories. You've talked about things that you can source there that are produced well. What do you see in the next two or three years that will be added to that list that maybe not be on it now? Do you think electronics are in the future? So electronics is already being produced. So we have a few projects of electronics. Uh, when you talk about, let's say, the plastic injection part of electronics, resin, uh, plastic resin is, is being uh, produced in China mainly. So that's the reason why when you look at the prices of the specific part of the plastic injection in a pro project is higher than uh, China. But when you are looking at electronics, there are great uh, teams here that are doing uh, electronics that uh, know how to put it to assemble it together. We, we have a few big projects that the client uh, decided not to go to China because they anticipated the changes in the market and they are very happy with the result in uh, Mexico. So it is existing and it's growing and it will continue to grow. Uh, I think that the, the plastic injection, definitely we see more factories dealing with plastic injection. I, I hope that the raw material will start to be produced uh, in Mexico so we can actually reduce that part of the, of the project, uh, the, the cost of that part. Uh, I believe that it will at some point. Other things that I see, we have a lot of artisan work, like ceramics, as I told you, woodwork. Leather. I hope that when it comes to the ceramics uh, manufacture, there will be a bigger scales of ceramics. So replacing completely what China now has to offer, the very cheap plates and things like that. Uh, I think that there is a huge potential there for, uh, for manufacture. And I believe that somebody at some point will uh, decide to, to, to take that route. Maybe there are. We are still looking for uh, the really big ones, the one with the capacity of producing millions of items a, a month. And, uh, but this is a big one that I think will uh, change very soon. So if you're talking to a bunch of smaller e-commerce businesses right now, what would you tell them is the most exciting thing about Mexico specific to them? Now, we're not talking about logistics. We're not talking about, you know, potentially the same cost, but like specific to e-commerce sellers who may have been discouraged in the past because they've tried and gotten frustrated. What's something encouraging you would share to this community to get us potentially re-excited about Mexico? Absolutely. Merch, big glass items, wood items, so kitchen, kitchen uh, items, uh, uh, anything to do with the items for the, the, the house can be found here. Yeah, home decor. Um, yeah, decor. Um, I think that's for e-commerce specifically, uh, printing anything to do that is printed boxes. Uh, we, we had a big project of uh, card games. Uh, uh, oh, nice. So all of this exists. We can do it very well in uh, in uh, Mexico. So even though it's a limited catalog of product types, it represents a massive, massive number of products that are perfect for e-commerce. So Omer, this is great information. We understand that uh, you know we need representation in Mexico to do this well, and we need um, experience. So. Give yourself a shameless plug. If people wanted to find out more content uh, and information about your business and the services that you're providing, I assume they can go to your website, which is what? 
witrek.com very simple w i t r e k.com and you and, guys uh, are specifically they, or your company is specifically helping small brands connect with small and medium sized manufacturers and you understand e-commerce which i think uh, is unique and i've never really talked to a sourcing company or or a service provider that does that with those things in mind because you know the big manufacturers have their own sourcing agents but what they do is very different than us that's awesome and you're going to be around the US right like i see you guys are are popping up at conferences you're popping up at um different kind of educational scenarios i know you were just at ASD and you were just at prosper show in vegas anywhere else where people can come and find you and connect with you so um, my partner is the one doing most of the traveling for that uh, i'm uh, more focused now on uh, creating new business in uh, in europe uh, right now i don't have the schedule in front of me uh, but we have a few uh, uh, ideas on what to do in the next year uh, we will uh, have it on our website once we we have new uh, uh and new uh, trade shows that we are planning to to go we will uh, put it on our website for everybody to see cool so witrek.com when they post the uh, event schedule make sure to shake these guys hands and get to know them i was referred to them and i was told about them through personal relationships which really goes along with everything we've talked about sourcing successfully from mexico it's got to be personal relationships you got to shake people's hands you got to get to know them personally and if you will invest the time to build that social credit and build that trust then you can beat out 90% of your competition who's never going to go through those actions and through those practices. And you can start to lock down supply chains for your specific brand or niche or product because you've invested in that in that relationship time. So very, very valuable. Well, thank you so much, Omer, for being on. Any last words before we, uh, before we sign off? Yeah, of course. Uh, whoever uh, is interested, they can contact me at... Uh, Omer at wetrack.com. Uh, I'll be happy to answer any any questions, any uh, uh, advices. We are here to help. Our goal is not just uh, the business. Our goal is also to to help entrepreneurs achieve their uh, and, and and create and fulfill their dreams. Uh, so I'm very happy to contribute from my experience to them, and just hope that uh, everybody will see it as an open invitation to to come and uh, and ask for our advices. Amazing. Thank you so much. I think that understanding there are limitations of sourcing in Mexico is important, but also there are a lot of opportunities. So if any of you are listening, like I said before, that that got discouraged or maybe ran into some walls, recognize this is all kind of groundbreaking and new. So of course, it's not going to be super easy, but keep investing in those relationships and education, figuring this out, because I personally believe that this is going to be very, very impactful in my business personally and those of um, a lot of people that I know. So really good content. Again, thanks, Omer, for being on. Thank you all for listening. Uh, like I always ask, if you found some value in this, if this is if this is good stuff, let us know by leaving a review on over podcast platform you're listening to. You can also go to ampm.com to look up past episodes. You can find us on Facebook, AMPM Podcast, and send a message to our Facebook page and let us know what other content you'd like to hear. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that good stuff. We love feedback and we appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.